Kia ora, Ko William Reiaho. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. We'd all hoped we wouldn't need to bring this podcast back, but we also knew it was a strong possibility, and sadly it's come to pass. So we're back in your feed for at least a day or two to let you get all the details you need in your own time. Deep breath, everyone. First, let's just run through the basic facts. COVID-19 is back in our community. As I speak, we have four confirmed cases in a South Auckland family, but we are expecting to find more as contact tracing and testing starts to ramp up. We know two members of this family travelled to Rotorua over the weekend, and they were symptomatic at the time. Auckland is now in a level three lockdown. That means stay home from work, only go out for essential supplies, and stick to your household bubble. The rest of New Zealand is at level two. That means stay home from work if you can, avoid mass gatherings. Retirement villages and other elder care facilities are under a full level four lockdown. These lockdowns will run until at least midnight on Friday, but they could be extended. Now, I know many of you are feeling exhausted right now. Some people are feeling like they just can't do this again. And if this is you, or if it's someone you love, you can reach out for help. The mental health hotline is 1737. That number again, 1737. We'll put up some other links to places you can get help on our website. Next, if you have any cold or flu-like symptoms, you need to get tested. It's nothing scary. I actually had a COVID test myself a few months ago, and honestly, it was a little bit uncomfortable, but it only took like 10 seconds max. Other basic stuff you need to do. Wash your hands frequently. Cover any coughs and sneezes. This is stuff you already know, but there's one more new thing. When you leave your house, when you're going on public transport or anywhere where there's a bit of a crowd of people you don't know, Wear a mask or a scarf or a bandana, anything that covers your face. I know it sucks. I had to shave my beard off this morning so that I could fit a mask over my face to get on the bus this morning, and now my partner barely recognises me. But it's one of the biggest things that we can all do for each other to help bring this virus back under control. Now... Time to hear from an expert. I'm joined by our favourite epidemiologist, Dr Patricia Priest from Otago University. So, uh, kia ora, Dr Priest. Um, I'd hoped that the two of us wouldn't have to talk again, but um, unfortunately we have COVID back in the community. Kia ora, yes, I totally agree. Lovely though it is to talk to you. It would be um, nice if it was under different circumstances. So let's just get down to it. I mean, if you're a person living in Auckland right now, what do you need to do? Okay, so obviously the full instructions are um, available on uh, the COVID-19 website, but um, we're back at level three. So it's staying in your bubble, working from home if you possibly can, um, only gatherings up to 10 people. Uh, most importantly, stay at home and get tested if you've got symptoms. Uh, and keep physical distance from uh, people who you're not who are not in your bubble and wearing masks if you're outside your bubble and particularly if you're unable to maintain physical distance from people who you don't know 
Now, this is probably the, the main bit of advice which has changed from last time we we're under lockdown. We've, mm. we've had, so we've had what, new, new science or, or better understanding of, of masks has come through. And we're now saying, yes, if you're outside, if you're in a public place, anywhere in New Zealand, really, you should definitely have something covering your face. So, yes, in, in, in the sense of the first thing you said, yes, we have uh, better evidence and more understanding of how the virus transmits. That makes the advice now that wearing masks, while they're not a perfect barrier and they, they are only helpful in the context of doing other things as well, that adding masks into the other things that we're doing um, is likely to be helpful. It's really important that it doesn't make people feel like they don't need to do the physical distancing anymore because they've got a mask on. But um, taken, taken along with the other things, uh, it's likely to help with preventing transmission. In terms of where masks should be worn, um, in Auckland, people are being advised to wear them all the time when they're out of their bubble, if they can. Um, I think we need to be very clear that it, the, 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 the time when they're going to be most useful is when you are in close quarters with other people, which is actually more often inside. And there's a bit of a tendency sometimes for, for the, the um, discussion to sound like when you're out, you should wear a mask, which, you know, there's a risk that can sound like when you're inside, you don't need to. It's when you're out of your bubble, wear a mask. But the most important time to wear a mask is when you're inside in enclosed spaces with other people that you can't stay distant from. So public transport's an obvious one and workplaces where, where people are still going to work. Um, actually, in my view, if you're out walking outside by yourself and staying well distanced from other people, then a mask, that's the least important place to wear a mask. But I guess that wearing a mask under those circumstances is visible to other people and it helps to kind of you know, maintain the, the, the general sense that we're all wearing masks now. Mm. So it's a good thing to do. But in terms of where you need the protection, it's when you're potentially um, close contact with other people and not able to distance. Yeah, because this is one of the big things which we've learned about COVID over the last few months is that really the big place it seems to spread is when people are indoors in close proximity. Um, yeah. that you, that's when you need to be extra vigilant. That's right. So I know I've seen reports um, from other countries which are in a much, much worse situation than we are, uh, where masks have been uh, highly recommended. And people talk about seeing people walking around outside with their mask on, coming into, say, a shopping centre and taking the mask off, when we absolutely don't want to see that. Mm. Um, and also, I guess the thing is that even if you feel a bit silly wearing a mask, that you're actually, even just by wearing it and sort of signal, you're signalling to other people that wearing a mask is the right thing to do. You're, you're helping everyone out by wearing a mask. That's right. And it, it makes, it, we're trying to make it socially acceptable. It's a bit like bike helmets. You know, when bike helmets first came out, only the really cautious wore them and you tended to feel a bit, a bit of, a, you know, a bit like everyone was looking at you and going, what on earth is with that person? But over time, as people have realised how important they are, um, almost every cyclist wears a mask now and it's no problem and no one no, that thinks that they're looking silly so get, or no sillier than anyone else anyway. So just get in on the trend early, I guess, is the, is the yeah, message. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think the more people wear them, the more it feels okay to wear them, the more people will wear them. And um, that will, ha you know, at a population level, will have uh, some benefit. Okay. So right now, um, we've got this news last night. 
what will the health authorities be doing to try and put this back in the bottle, I guess? The big task is to uh, do what we call both backwards and forwards contact tracing. So they're trying to look back and see where the people we now know about were infected from and also look forward in the kind of transmission chain to see whether there's anybody else who was infected by them. So it's a big job. I think I saw 130 close contacts maybe, and that's only the ones that we know about so far. So, so that identifying who's, who they've been in contact with and who their contacts have been in contact with and testing all those people. Um, firstly, until we ideally get back to the person who started the transmission chain so that we know where we're at. And secondly, um, trying to identify everyone who might have been infected by them and isolate them before they get a chance to infect anyone else. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, even talking to sort of people I know, friends and family, there's this real sense of, you know, oh God, do we have to do this again? You know, can we do this again? Um, people feeling really exhausted. I mean, what do you what do you say to people who are in that kind of frame of mind? I know it's really hard. I think we all feel like that. We'd been, you know, feeling really good at, about how well we'd done, but it was still, I, I, I haven't come across anyone who has thought, okay, it's all good now. I feel completely kind of um, over all my hard work and exhaustion and I'm ready to go. We're all still feeling a little bit tired. Uh, so it's, it's not fun. Um, but I think if we look overseas at countries where things are really in a much, much worse state than we've got here, I mean, we're still, you know, we're still in a pretty good situation compared with a lot of places. I guess if we were, if we were somewhere where it was running rampant, then we would be feeling um, much worse. Mm. So we just have to kind of go, okay, you know, we can do this and um, box on um, and we just have to pull it out of the hat again and, and, and you know, it's yet to be seen whether this will be a, a small outbreak that will be under control easily or not. And we hope that that's what it is. Mm. I mean, I guess the good news is that compared to where we were the last time we went into lockdown, there are far fewer cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, I mean, talking about going hard and going early, um, we're going super early this time. Uh, and and going, I think, you know, hard enough for the circumstances. Mm. Uh, and so, yes, I think if we if we can trace this cluster, and I mean, don't forget, there's been a lot of work between when we locked down last time and now to increase our capacity for contact tracing and testing and so on. So, you know, we're in a good position to track down who's infected, quarantine, isolate. Um, and hopefully shut down any further transmission. And people can help out with that, right? They can use the, you know, the, the government COVID test app. They can keep their own diary. They can keep track of their own movements. So if they do get a call from one of these um, contact tracing people, they can mm. be of a huge help straight away. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's fair to say, and I can speak for myself here, that we've all probably got a bit complacent about keeping track of where we've been. <laughs> um, and I certainly haven't been keeping track particularly well uh, in the last few weeks. So this is a, a good wake up call for all of us, um, including those who are not in Auckland, to uh, get back into the habit of using whatever app we use to keep track of where we are or keep a paper diary or 
whatever, because yes, the, it's the contact tracing and finding people who've been infected is going to be absolutely key in uh, shutting down trains of, of transmission without having to go back to level four. And we really want to try and avoid that if we possibly can. Moving up to level four would obvious would be the obvious next step, both for Auckland and potentially the rest of New Zealand. What would health experts have to see before that step would be taken? We'd be seeing um, uncontrolled transmission in the community at a level that would um, overwhelm our contact tracing and testing for, um, abilities. So, you know, if we can do the contact tracing, isolate people, you know, test them, we will shut down transmission. Uh, and that's what we've been working towards is, is setting ourselves up to um, have the capacity to be able to do that for a reasonable number of cases. So if the wider testing finds um, a lot more infection than we think, which you know, seems unlikely on the face of it, but if, uh, particularly if it finds, let's say, an entirely separate um, uh, cluster that's, that's not been infected by this one but uh, you know also we don't know where they came from so if we're seeing yeah if we're seeing transmission that is uncontrolled in the community and ramping up to a point where we can see that our ability to test and trace and isolate uh, is going to be overwhelmed then that would be I think the trigger for level four mm. so I think we're I think we're away from that with this you know these four people okay I mean, what we know right now, there's, you know, we're still in early days. There's not huge amounts of information out there, but we know that these four cases are in South Auckland, a place with quite a dense population. We know that a couple of these um, people went to Rotorua when they were symptomatic. They visited tourist locations. It's not the most positive picture based on the information we have now. No, it's not, it's not as good as it would be if there was just one case and nobody in their family was infected. That's true. Um, but it's still, it's still a relatively small number of people and we're told they're you know, cooperating with um, trying to identify potential contacts and so on. And as I understand it from the, you know, just from the media, I don't have any special knowledge here, but as I understand it, the contacts in Rotorua are considered to be um, casual rather than close so you know if you if you go there as a group and you go to you know outdoor tourist attractions of which there are some in Rotorua and you're you know interacting with each other and not with not not much with other people then the risk of transmission is relatively low there um, so you know it's not like going on a tour bus and um, <laughs> spending a lot of time very close to other people uh, it's a it's a concern, but I think the um, the response is doing the right thing, and um, we you know we have to keep a close eye on on the information as it comes to hand. And I mean, speaking of doing the right thing, I mean, this family I guess do deserve quite a bit of credit here. They did do the right thing. They went and got tested, and and you know, and hopefully, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I, I did see someone. I think I saw someone saying somewhere. Um, pointing out that you know men in their fifties aren't aren't particularly prone to going to the doctor when they have a bit of a cold. So um, good on him for going and getting tested. Um, yeah. So we that's another thing that you know we really need to focus on everybody doing over this next little while is is getting tested, staying home and getting tested if you've got 
any of those symptoms. Looking back, are we kicking ourselves now a little bit for not doing more mass surveillance testing earlier on that might potentially have caught this earlier? I'm not sure what more we would have done. I mean, people with symptoms have been being encouraged to be tested for some time now. Um, and you can't kind of wrestle people to the ground and test them if you happen to notice them coughing. So, so I think in terms of mass testing, we've been doing our best to get people with symptoms to get tested. And that, that's the most important group to be tested. Yeah, where we, where we have very low or zero prevalence, um, asymptomatic testing is of pretty limited value. So focusing on people with symptoms has, um, has been the right thing and encouraging as many of those people as possible to get tested remains the strategy. I think there's um, developing work about testing people at the border and I know that the border workers are being, or I understand that the border workers are being tested uh, now as are the people working in the quarantine and isolation facilities and so that's good news and um, I think there's ongoing work to, to think about uh, the best way of, of uh, testing them how regularly one might try to do that. So one thing which has been signalled is that the government may introduce mandatory masking certainly in Auckland and potentially in the rest of the country depending on how things um, progress from here. What, what, um, what can you say about that? So I think, so I'm really in favour of trying to uh, change behaviour through encouragement and um, modelling by other people, as we said before, uh, changing the sort of social mores to encourage people to engage in good behaviour. Uh, and I really think making things uh, a legal issue should be an absolute last resort. Um, I mean, we've seen... I don't know what's happened with this case, but I re recall that somebody was taking the government to court saying that they didn't have the right to even put the country into lockdown when they did. You know, if you make something mandatory, then um, a bunch of people will be upset about that and will oppose it and um, potentially protest about it, as we've seen in some other countries. All things which are not particularly helpful and which then require potentially the police to get involved in some sort of response uh, and I just, I just don't think that we, um, that that would be helpful. So I'm, I'm hopeful that by being very clear about it being something that is really important and that we want everybody to get on board with, that we'll get a good level of mask wearing. And again, um, a mask is not a perfect protection either for you or for other people. It's, it's one of the things. And if there's a decent number of people wearing masks, then it will provide some population level protection. And I guess the other thing about masks and, and these other things, you know, even stuff like covering sneezes and washing hands, is I, I was looking a little bit into the public health research about this, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but the best way to get people on board with this is to model good behaviour, not to call out bad behaviour. Don't, you know, yell at someone in the street if you see them not wearing a mask. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think there's anything to be gained by kind of vigilante action um, against people who are not wearing masks. I think, you know, if you see someone who's not wearing a mask, you are, you know, you might um, not get into the lift with them if, if you're worried about it or, you know, not go into a, a, a sort of close contact situation. And 
I don't know, maybe carry a spare one and offer it to them in case they haven't got one because they can't get one rather than because they're just being um, oppositional um, or, or d didn't know about it. Um, but again, yes, it, uh, you know, the, the, the message about being kind um, remains and, and we, we won't get through this if we, um, if, if we respond to the current situation by shouting at each other. Mm. I'm not a behavioural change expert, but I think it's reasonable to say that uh, shaming people is not usually a really effective way of um, helping them to change their behaviour. Mm. Hey, look, I know you have to go to another meeting, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll end things there. But look, thank you again so much for taking the time to, to talk to us. No problem. Um, let's hope that by next week there'll be nothing more to say and we'll be going back to our normal life. Podcast will be all wrapped up again and we won't have to That's do right. any more just, episodes. Just a, a couple of episodes and it'll be all over. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. Kia ora, Dr Priest. So, there you have it. A few things you can do to help out your fellow Kiwis. Be positive, be kind, maybe carry around a spare mask so you can offer it to anyone who doesn't have one. Take a photo of yourself wearing a mask. Show people that this is now the thing we all have to do to help each other out. That's all for this episode, but we will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, kia kaha. This episode of the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast was presented by me, William Ray. The executive producer is Tim Watkin, and our sound engineer is Phil Benge. <laughs>